Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Hey folks, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers. I am in the middle of a conversation with Ganesh Krishnan of AI Hello about the critical topic of how to manage your PPC spend to get a return on the investment rather than just give all your money to Amazon. Today, we're going to continue with the discussion on such topics as automated keyword harvesting. What is that and, and how does it help you? Why target ACOS is a critical number and um, really how to choose an, an Amazon automation platform versus an agency versus doing it yourself, that kind of question. So finally, we'll, of course, just double check what it is that AI Hello can do for you. If you are interested in using AI, AI Hello already, then we'll tell you more about how to do that at the end. And we've got some nice discounts for listeners of the 10K Collective and um, amazing FBA podcast. But for now, I'm going to hand over to um, Ganesh and myself, and we'll tell you all about how to save your money and make a better return on your ad spend in 2021. Enjoy listening. So automated keyword harvesting sounds very cool. It's nice to move things from the auto campaign to the um, manual campaign in an automated way. That's really, really going to save hours of digging through spreadsheets. But obviously adding competitors keywords to your own campaign sounds even cooler. So how does that actually work? So what we do is when a, when a customer searches for a particular keyword and your product loads on the first page along with your competitors, and people buy your competitor's product, but not your product. And we know that a sale was made for the competitor. Then that is considered as a potential sale. And once it surpasses a particular threshold, which depends on your category, which depends on your product, which depends on how many you know um, competitors sales have made, we try to add that to your campaign on a very low bid and we test it out. But one criteria is that keyword must not be in your campaign because if it is, then uh, you don't need to add it. So it's keywords that you missed that your competitors have added. Nice. That's really, really smart. I really like that because you obviously it's very easy to miss some of the juicy keywords that you should have. One traditional way of doing it is that you just do a reverse ASIN. You end up with with a very busy product or a busy category, say 600 keywords, and then you dump them somewhere in your listing and then you dump them into an ad campaign. But obviously that can be pretty primitive way of doing it because you're going to end up bidding on a hell of a lot of keywords that aren't very productive. So this is like yeah. the flip side of that, which is like your competitors done the hard work of finding which keywords are actually worth having and you're just stealing the best ones by the sound of it. Right. Is that right? Yeah. That's very yeah. cool. I really like that. I have to say also that, you know, we've had a number of people on from, from automated ad systems and I've never really heard of anyone doing that. So that sounds very, very cool. So yeah. let me just come back to a really dumb question. Like I'm a sort of, as my, my podcast co-host, Jason Miles put it, horseshoes and hand grenades guy. I like that phrase. But basically, I'm not a very refined user. I'm reasonably numerate, but I'm not a very refined user of ad systems. So I like the big picture numbers best. Why are we yeah. using target ACOS as a way to manage it? And, and why is that the sort of magic number that the, that the algorithm works off? Why not another number? Target ACOS is the amount of profit that you make. And ultimately, everything in your system, you know, all your business revolves around the profit that you make. 
it could be unprofitable it could be profitable but whatever it is what is the amount of money that you're generating so it's, i shouldn't say profit but it's the revenues that you're generating and revenues are the lifeblood of a business mm -hmm. so what you are telling our system is two things one is what budget you're willing to spend uh, for a particular campaign and what is the amount of money that you are willing to that you want to make out of this budget so let's say you set up a campaign for 100 you know 100 dollars and you set a target cost of 20 20% that means you're trying to make you know like uh, $180 out of it, uh, roughly $180 out of it. So if there's a magic pot, what, what you're saying is, I want to put $1 into it and I want $2 out. And that way you're making money. So that's essentially the lifeblood of a business, how much money you put in and how much money you want to get out. And that's that, those are the only two you know, features of a business that we want to know. And based on that, we work on everything else. So really that kind of, that last number you just mentioned, you put a dollar in, you get $2 out in the Amazon ads world. I'm sorry, the Facebook ads world, you would normally call that ROAS, right? Return on ad spend, which I know the Amazon ads interface now shows as well as an option if you choose to see it. So is that really the, the way you're thinking about it? Is It's kind of, it's a version, a target ACOS is a flip side of the ROAS more or less. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So yeah. And that's because ACOS is more common word in the Amazon community, or, or is that that why you go for ACOS, not ROAS? The, the reason is actually it's a, it's a bit more insidious. ROAS <laughs> does not show, it's very hard to understand how much money you have spent with ROAS. Right. Uh, if you say ROAS of 3x, you know, I mean, for me, I'm not used to ROAS. It's like, it, it, uh, it's hard for me to visualize how much money I've lost. But if you say ACOS, and if you say, you know, I've lost 20% air cost, then I immediately know if my product is $100, I've spent $20 on the, on his ads. So if, if I take a product cost of $100, and I know it cost me $20 to buy it, and I know $10 is a shipping, then if I say a cost is 20%, then I know I spent $20 more on the, on the, ship, on the ads. So it's, it's a way that if given a price of a product, I know exactly how much I spent to sell it out. Yeah, I can see that. And also, I think it's nice to compare the profit margin of a product to the ACOS, because if you know that a product costs you, the classic would be like you're selling it for $100, it costs you $25 landed, you, you make, so pay 25, 30% for fulfillment. And if your ad cost is another 20%, you know, you've got a 30% margin in it, something like That's that. Right. So if my mass yeah. is correct. Great. Okay. Now, another really annoying question, but I've got to ask it is how do you deal with the fact that obviously one of the main ways that we get a product launch to work is we use Amazon ads and we get clicks and the click through rate and conversions that sends a signal to the algorithm for the organic ranking to rank a product organically for certain keywords. And that's yeah. where most of our product, our success or failure indeed is. So in other words, you're going to get most of our sales organically. That's where most of the profit comes from. So how do you deal with the fact that obviously the value of ads is often in how the organic ranking is affected. Okay, so here, here's some bad news for you. <laughs> it's Amazon is the third biggest ad system in the world, uh, you know, after Google and Facebook. And uh, Google started off with, I'm, I'm going to start a bit of the history because, you know, to say, to know the future, you have to know the history. So Google started off with two ads on the top, and then it went to three ads and four ads on the top of a search result. Now the top four and the bottom four are all ads, and there's just two or three search results in the organic so our vision, you know, our A Hello vision is that organic ranking is dead. Most of it is going to be ads. And even on Amazon, you know, in the search, if you search for it, you can see that the majority of them are ads. Ads are increasing. Organic ranking is really, really, you know, decreasing. And in the future, you might have, you know, majority of it ads and the minority of it is organic ranking. And 
to answer your question straight, a lot of it is like how many reviews you have, what is the credibility of your product, you know, how much you have sold, and even your ad sales count towards your organic ranking. So if you want to increase your organic ranking, you have to increase your sales, you have to increase your performance, make sure you're not out of stock, you know, make sure you have good reviews, make sure you're, you're, you're priced right. You can even price it wrong by having a by having ad system. So you know, you, if you want to sell it at a really high price, you can put ads onto it and it will sell it regardless of the organic ranking. So there's no straight answer to this. The other than that, that the more you sell, the more you sell by ads, the higher your organic ranking grows. But organic ranking is kind of being constricted by Amazon because there's not too much money for them, unfortunately. So keep focusing on ads. Keep selling through ads. That's a very, very good point, actually, because I'm extremely aware of that on, say, Facebook, for example, or in sort of social media. I have a very dim view of social media because I always feel like that the there are so many different social media platforms and yeah. the, the history of them has been exactly the same. We were talking before we went live about Facebook and when they did that IPO, I thought you, you had a darker view than I did. You actually shorted the stock. I just went, I'm not buying it. But yeah. we had the similar view, which is like, how do you monetize this thing? I guess, well, I didn't think it was going to be good to monetize. Maybe you just really hate Facebook. I, I don't like Facebook as a platform, but as a business, I think it, it works. But it was pretty obvious even then to me that, um, okay, they've just done a giant IPO, and if you do a future forward sort of um, price to earnings ratio, that they had to to justify selling their stock at whatever it is, you know, valuation of the company of whatever billions it was then. Yeah. They had to like a hundred x their revenue, and there's only going to be one way they do that, and that would be ads. And I guess that the same was obviously true for Google. Now with Amazon, because they sell products, I guess I've fallen into the trap of believing what they tell me, which is that they're a, a product selling platform, and actually their profit center is number one ads. Right? Apart from AWS, which is a separate business and maybe broken off by antitrust legislation. So I guess that what you're saying is so obviously true that I kind of hadn't been willing to see it. So I thank you for that reality check. I, in other words, what you're saying, I guess, is we have to get good at driving sales profitably via ads because most sales in future are going to be driven by ads. Is, is that a fair summary of what you just said? That is correct. So ads are, mm -hmm. we have a very dim view. You know, we have a very bad opinion of ads, although we are an ad tech company. <laughs> uh, it's unfortunately the reality, you know, like as, as we grow, as I know most of the companies are investing a lot into ads. And it's, it's a growing business. It's, it's a lot of money. That reminds me of a saying I heard a long time back, which applies to Amazon business as well and applies to Facebook. When the winds are strong, you know, even chickens can fly. So when you have lots of money, you can make anything successful. When the winds are strong, even chickens can fly. I like it. <laughs> That's quite a good, good down at home saying. So let's just home in a little bit on the whole automation platform thing. The first thing is, how do you choose an automation platform? Now, we're talking to an owner of an automation platform, so I understand you will not have an objective answer, and that's fine. But how would you even go about choosing a platform? And I asked the question for a very practical reason, because that in the 10K Collective Mastermind, where we've got a lot of very smart guys, one of whom, for example, used to develop business intelligence reports for people. So he loves spreadsheets. It's not like he's not capable of managing it. But he's been looking into using different platforms, and then coming back to doing spreadsheets himself and then he'll try a new platform out and then come back to spreadsheets again. So how do people even go about choosing an automation platform? Because it seems like the, the level of satisfaction people often have is quite low, to be honest. So how to choose an automation platform? Usually, you know, most e-commerce sellers should not be first about the technology. They should not be first about, unfortunately, even AI or any of these, you know, new, new age terms that we're talking about. <laughs> what we usually recommend is simpler the better. Just click on automation and let the let the algorithms do the rest of it. Uh, take your foot off the gas pedal of the ads. It's a it's a very mundane. It's a very useless. It's a very you know uh, 
boring job that you have to do it every day, wake up, you know, check the bids, add the customer search terms, put it in Excel sheet. Don't do any of the stuff. Just, you know, click on a button and be lazy about it. If you can do that, you know, in an automated way, it's, it's much better. It's just like Google Maps, you know, I mean, earlier when I started off, I would take print out on a map quest, you know, and then stop the car on the way, ask for directions, you know, look at the road signs. But now all, all we do is put on Google Maps, check which way to go, and then we just follow it. That's the way with the ads. Just put it on auto, autopilot and then follow the path. Okay, so I guess that that implies you've got a lot of faith around the, the platform that you're using to run the ads. So I guess that the truth comes through trying it out. So and that's eventually what, what people are going to have to do for anything, isn't it? So yeah. tell me a little bit about the automation platform versus ad agency option, because obviously when you get big enough, and this is certainly obviously not something anyone starting out should do. By the way, I just have to say that because occasionally people... Uh, post up on the Facebook groups. Hi, I've just started. Is there somebody who can manage my agency, my ads for me? And I always think, well, yes, but they will eat all of your revenue, never mind all your profits. An insane idea. But once you've got, you know, say 20, 30, 50, 100 SKUs, whatever it is, and, and you're doing, you know, a million dollars a year or something, it could well yeah. be worth doing. What are your thoughts around doing yourself automation and agencies? Are they even worthwhile distinctions? And, and if so, when do we move from one to the other? It's a, it's a very good question, you know, and it's a, it's a thought-provoking question. Uh, usually we say, you know, it's again the case of the tiger. You don't need to be faster than the tiger. You need to be faster than the rest of the humans. So you, you don't need to be, you know, like smarter than, you don't need to be the best at ads, but our ads platform, our AI platform is certainly better than most of the humans out there. So all you need to do is put it on autopilot rather than doing it yourself, use an AI. You can definitely use an agency. We're not ruling it out. Some parts might require humans, you know, especially with the budget, especially with the money. But agencies themselves use automation platforms. So it's something you need to keep in mind. So it's it's a it's an abstraction of an AI. Most of the agencies they use, you know, a lot of our competitors, they use our uh, software. We're actually gaining aggressively in uh, in some of the agencies. They use a AI platform. So the question is, do you not want to spend time on the AI platform at all? And of course, there's one more option, having an in-house team that some of our sellers do as well, you know, which is the fourth option. The in-house team as well use AI Hello for it. So the question is, do you want to drive a self-driven car or do you want a car, you know, chauffeured around? It's 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 your, you know, personality. Sometimes you might want to be chauffeured around. Sometimes you want to Uber. Sometimes you want a self-driven car. I like it. I like the uh, the chauffeur versus car sort of metaphor. And I guess what that implies is it's kind of an artificial distinction that I've created. I mean, they are kind of choices, but I think you make an extremely important point that most agencies, if they're going to actually run profitably, have to have very, very standardized procedure. And the most standardized procedures in the world become AI systems. So that's how SAS works, right? A lot yeah. of SAS programs are bought out of people automating things they used to employ eight VAs to do, like uh, Greg Mercer's Jungle Scout, famously. At least that's yeah. what he told me when I interviewed him. But also the fact that if you employ a VA and a team of VAs, they have to leverage their time to actually not micromanage everything themselves, even if you're paying them $5 an hour, it adds up. So therefore, they are going to use software anyway. So in the end, yeah. you're probably employing a team of people that use AI Hello or whatever the software is. So yeah. maybe maybe all you're doing is removing the expensive salespeople who've going to pay themselves 100 bucks an hour. <laughs> so you make a valid point about that as well. I guess that's probably true for an awful lot of services that are kind of white labeling other people's services out there, which is a whole other conversation. 
So I guess that kind of semi brings us to the next question of who is this for and who is it not for? I guess what you've implied is that AI Hello works really well for those who really don't want to get into the weeds and are starting out. It sounds like it also works for more advanced sellers as well. I mean, so tell me a bit about how it works for different people at different levels. So who is it for is for people who are bleeding money on ads and who want to keep ads in control. So if you if you want to just, you know, let the algorithm do its job and you don't want to focus on ads, you don't want to micromanage it, you just want to make sure that, you know, it's, it's being profitable, is it works really good, it works better than, you know, what you do. For most of the sellers, it's better than, you know, what, what you can do as a human. Some of the tasks are really inhuman. So, you know, it's like uh, we make a forecast of how much your item is going to sell at 12 p.m., at 1 p.m., at 3 p.m., and then we, you know, we boost the bids at that time, which is really impossible for you know any human to do. It's like a weather prediction. You know, you can just put your you know finger in the air and then uh, see if it's going to rain or not. But it's best to use you know some kind of a supercomputer to decide you know the wind direction and everything. So we use a lot of algorithms for that. If you're spending a lot of money on ads and you want to keep your ads in check, then of course use us. But if your ad cost is really low, you know, like five percent or nine percent, and you want to bring it even lower then it's really hard to squeeze water out of stone. You know, like it's really, uh, we did have one seller. He's still our user. His cost is 5% and he's, he's uh, making six figures, which is really, really good. I've never seen it not so good. And he's saying, can I bring it even further low? And I told him I can keep it at 5%. I can't bring it lower than 5% because you have done the best that you can. You know, so these people might not be ideal, but they still use our platform to keep it, you know, at that level to stabilize it. That's an interesting point. I mean, if you've got things to a point where they are optimized in terms of the financials, i.e. 5% ACOS, very good. It's not necessarily optimal use of your time to, to keep it there. Once you've got things to a point and you can hand it off to a system or a person to take it over, that's still a very good business argument for doing that. In fact, one of the reasons that some very smart analytical people in the mastermind are considering employing agencies in some points to manage their Amazon ads isn't because they're stupid or not analytical. One of them's got an engineering degree, so it's very numerate, but it's just because of the time suck. So I think you make an important point there that actually what I would also add is this, that if something's becoming a commodity, like if whether you're doing it or the people that I'm paying you know a thousand bucks a month as a basic kind of before they take a percentage of my ad spend to manage it as an agency and they're just using ai hello whoever's doing it in in the end that is a commodity now whereas me developing a unique product that is uniquely tailored to the needs of a particular group that is what i add as value to as a business person i think so i would just encourage everyone listening to consider in all areas of their business, whether they should at least consider outsourcing and or automating stuff. And it may be that AI hellos for you and it may be that it isn't. And it may be Amazon ads need automating and it may be something else. But I think as a general business principle, I'd really encourage people because I, I meet an awful lot of stressed entrepreneurs who are making good money actually, but who are just working too many hours at 50 different tasks and their brains are scrambled. And that is not the mindset you're going to have to build your business to 10x where it is now. Yep. So I guess I'm doing your pitch for you, but we ought to talk a little bit about some of the things that you offer, you know, more directly. So we've already talked a lot about some of the things that you do. I mean, just tell us the sort of basic services that that you offer or basic sort of SaaS service that you offer. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting point that you brought about, you know, stressed entrepreneurs um, getting, you know, their brains scrambled. A very wise man once told me the smartest people know when to, you know, stop doing the work and when to delegate it. And that's how you keep your sanity and you can do you know, a better job. They can do a better job than you. you you're wiser, but some of the micromanagement has to be done by people and you know, um, others. So there's always a compounding effect. You know, if you have two or three people, you're doing not two or three people's worth of work. You're doing six times the work. So more people you know, 
uh, more different activities. And here by people, you could also uh, put an AI automation into it that does not, you know, tap, that does not ask for coffee, you know, that wakes up at three in the morning and does your work for you. Uh, sorry, your question was, how, how do we help people? What was that? I, I'm not sure I gave you a really great clean question. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is just what are your services really? What what does AI Hello do? And I guess you've answered it because it's so alarmingly simple. That is, you put in the ACOS and you put in a budget and then you walk away and do whatever you want. Is is that really literally as simple as that? That's literally as simple as that. <laughs> so you, you have to delegate all your ad works at some point, not to us, but to someone else. So two points, keep your brain you know, stress-free, delegate all your ads work whether it's us or our competitors or something like that. And second, don't throw your money at Amazon. You know, like they're already a trillion dollar business. It, it hurts <laughs> me to see, you know, sellers earning, you know, $2,000, $3,000 a month and spending $1,000 on Amazon ad spend, you know. Even if you don't use us, you know, you, you, can, you can reach out to us. We'll give you an extended trial. You can use our competitors, use anyone, but don't throw your money at Amazon, you know, and then go bankrupt. That's something that hurts us a lot, you know. Yeah, and, and I think you're absolutely right. I mean, people worry about Amazon and they should worry about it, but they often worry about the wrong things. And I think you put your finger on today that ad spend is one of the big things we need to, to really be aware of. Now, one yeah. last sort of area of questions that I ought to dig into, because we've kind of been talking about the assumption that you're either, you know, a newbie, which is like the amazing FBA type sort of consumer that we're targeting or the, or the 10K collective types who are doing, you know, seven figures, early seven figures or something like that. But I presume you guys will also work for bigger customers as well, enterprise type customers. I mean, what sort of size customers would your system work up to? Are we talking like hundred million dollar businesses, anything like that? I can name some competitors that, you know, some uh, clients that use us in, in wearing aspect because we do a lot of the automation. So we worked with Chidi Bank, we worked with Bank of Montreal, we worked with uh, even L'Oreal in different aspects of automation. So there is really no, you know, some of our paying customers right now, they are roughly in the $36 million per year. Uh, and they spend, you know, equally maybe around $10 million a, a year on ads. So we have large volume of customers. Usually the thumb rule is the more SKUs you have, the more campaigns you have, the more keywords you have, the easier it is to automate it. You obviously cannot wake up and then go through thousands of campaigns, each with thousands of you know keywords, and then you know try to increase the bid, decrease the bid. Even if you increase it for each keyword, you have to find out what the history was. There's no easy way to do it. You have to add a customer search term. It's an impossible task for humans. So the more SKUs you have, the more keywords you have, the easier it is to use the AI platform. Interesting. And yeah, I guess this is a business justification. It becomes easier and easier because you're going to just go mad trying to do it manually. But the, yeah. uh, the other question, I guess, is the opposite extreme. What is the sort of lowest end of, of sales that it would make sense for people to use AI Hello? Is it literally for anyone who's just spending like $10 a month on ads or is there some kind of bottom to that as well? We generally don't take any, I mean, we don't say no to anyone. But what I've seen that, that, that people who are really low, you know, that spend $50, $100 a month, we're starting out on Amazon. They have unrealistic expectations about e-commerce. And they're like, I spent $100. Why didn't, I, why didn't my revenue go 3x? It just went 2x. That's an honest response from one of our clients. So you promised us 3x sales. I just got 2x sales. I spent $150 last month. And although I don't want to, you know, discourage, I don't want to, you know, critique that customer because to to them probably $150 is a lot it kind of aggravates us because it's it's a very patient business you need to spend a lot of time you need to spend a lot of money and it takes time you know for your business to grow so usually what we recommend is if you have $1,000 to $5,000 you know on the lower end so you can start off using our platform 
Great. And oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like the fact that you doubled their, their um, return on investment, basically, and they're annoyed that you didn't 3x it. That's quite funny. I mean, I guess, you know, in a sense, if you've never been in business before and you don't know how hard it can be to get any return on investment, that yeah. then they didn't know how good a job you were doing for them because they had no context. But that is kind of funny uh, in, a, in a kind of annoying way for you, I guess. I'd certainly be very happy if somebody doubled my return on investment. I've got to say that. So yeah. just... Just the simple questions then are left, which is, I guess, what services do you offer and what are the costs roughly for the, the different services? And people can obviously check your site for the detail, but just to give people a rough idea. So w- what we do is we have a couple of you know silos of programs. So we have different programs, the basics, the essentials, the premium. They all differ in the amount of um, autopilot that runs. For the essentials, it runs once a day, guaranteed once a day. For the premium, it runs a couple of times a day. There's automated day parting in the, in the, not in the basic one, but in the rest of the two, we do automated day parting. We also do, you know, forecast of sales and we can boost the bids depending on the forecast of the sales. You can check what the forecast is doing, you know, and how we change the bid. Uh, so the pricing basically is, 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 is fluid. We keep on changing depending on the, on the demand for it. But right now we take a percentage of the, of the revenue on how much we generate. We also put a cap on it. So we're not charging you, you know, absolutely more than more than uh, a certain amount of number. It really depends on the amount of SKUs you have, the amount of ad spend you have on the autopilot. Because the one thing that really strains our servers is the amount of autopilot you have. It's not an amount of SKUs. It's not an amount of keywords. It's not a, the amount of revenue. It's the amount of autopilot you have. So depending on the amount of autopilots you have, autopilot is each campaign can be put on an autopilot. Uh, and we only charge you for campaigns that are on autopilot. So if you put, you know, if you have hundred campaigns. And you put only one campaign on autopilot, we only charge you for that autopilot. So pricing is, 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 is not straightforward. It's just that we charge you a monthly basis, you know, $29, $49, and $199, and a certain percentage of the, of the revenue. So that's quite interesting. So you only get really charged. So really, it really is all about this autopilot stuff because it's quite interesting that a lot of uh, agencies generally, I mean, I've done bits of, of agency work at the lower scale I can get away with because I'm not a big fan of that. But every so often somebody approaches me and I, I say yes. And I've normally done it on a sort of per skew charging basis because it's kind of the easiest way to do it. But this is interesting. So it's really the autopilot is everything for you guys, isn't it? Then that's, that's what costs you server time, but it's equally what you charge for. And, and uh, so presumably it would be possible to have campaigns for lots of different products up and and to pick and choose which ones you really wanted to use our autopilot on is that right that is correct so when okay. we charge for this autopilot so most of our sellers what we say is like the first question is where can i use autopilot and our question and our answer is use autopilot on the worst performing campaigns and we'll stop the bleeding over there and we only charge you for those campaigns you know on a success we use only for those campaigns if you're spending 100 million dollars in total and you're spending only $1,000 on the campaign and only that campaign is on autopilot, we only charge you for that $1,000, not for you know, the rest of the campaign. Makes sense. But the final question I really ought to ask, and I'm sorry to, this is quite a longish interview now, but we've got to get the details out there because I think this is a key area for so many Amazon business owners. And as you implied, it's only going to get more important. What kinds of Amazon ads you cover? So obviously what we've been talking about implies is it's around sponsored product ads. Do you deal with sponsored brands and sponsored video and the, all the other new ad things as well? Yes, absolutely. So they all, you know, like we, we deal with sponsored product, we, we deal with sponsored display, we deal with sponsored brands, sponsored videos as well. By the way, hot tips, sponsored videos are the, are the best performing ads. If your cost is really, you know, high, 
If you're not generating enough sales, go for sponsored videos. Really great tip, actually, was I was working with a client just last night who just launched and he was hoping to launch in Q4 and his products didn't really arrive until Christmas. So he's launching at a really dead time of year. And uh, we're, we're trying to give it, you know, some serious math, massive resuscitation at the moment. So actually, that's a very good point. I hadn't even thought about that. We ought to create a quick video and get it out there. So, uh, by the way, can you put any numbers on that? I mean, what, what's the difference between sponsored ad video performance versus other forms of ads at the moment on Amazon? It depends. Usually what I've seen is the number of sales that uh, video generates is five to ten times. And the thing about sponsored video is once it, once it gives the boost to you, you know, for the sales, then the rest of the sponsored products and everything goes up. There's also one more misconception that the... Uh, Amazon ads community has that I've seen it and I want to address it right now. They're saying that a campaign performance is also uh, ideal. So revive an old campaign rather than creating a new campaign, which is debatable, debatable but I would like to disagree with it. it. It depends on your SKU performance. So Amazon ranks your SKU by how well it is performing. So if your SKU is really performing in sponsored videos, you get a boost in the sponsored products as well and it goes up. So the, the fact that it's in two different campaigns doesn't matter. That's a very instant. That's another old, I was going to say, in your case, your belief of myth, but you, you, that, that goes around that is, it's, you've got to keep old campaigns because the ads perform, or sorry, the, the keywords driven ads perform differently in each campaign from each other. And I guess what you're saying is, is linked to the skew. So from practical point of view, then could you yeah. have an old campaign linked to a skew? take across a few of the keywords that are proven to work, put them into a new campaign and turn the old campaign off and you will get the same sort of love from Amazon, if you like, same response. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, that's very interesting because that, that really is going to change. I've got to go back to this client I was working with yesterday because that really is going to change how I work because he's got a bunch of old um, campaigns. He's been out of stock for ages for various reasons. And yeah. I was working on the assumption that, that because it gets told a lot, that actually I had to kind of keep the old campaigns going because there was a certain amount of sort of ranking juice, if you will, attached to those. So actually, it sounds like that's rubbish. Yeah. The ranking juice is attached to keywords, which has a keyword ID, which you don't really see in the Amazon ad console, but you can see it if it's in, if you are on Yeah Hello. So that uh, keyword ID has a juice, you know, and then your SKUs uh, have a performance index to it. I think you can see the performance index even on Amazon advertising console. There's a seller performance index, which of course you can definitely see, you know, how well you're performing. Those are all the things that I used to rank for it. And they usually change every couple of days, not every couple of hours, maybe sometimes, you know, once every couple of weeks. And they all ranked and it's a round robin fashion. It's a very simple, the ad system is really simple. If you want to learn more about it, Google has their engineers, their AI team. They explain how the ad system and the ad budgeting works. That will give you a very good insight into how simple the AI system is. Don't overthink the AI. It's a really simple, dumb round robin system. <laughs> okay, interesting. Well, I guess it takes an AI, an AI specialist to say, don't freak out about the AI. It's quite simple. I mean, what seems simple to you might not to the rest of us, but it's still an interesting point. And, but I think more importantly, that misconception around old campaigns is, is really, really critical. So hopefully, if nothing else, people will have you know learned a lot of stuff from, from that. And I think the other misconceptions that you, you put your finger on. So the final thing is just to simply say, where do people go to learn more or, or even try out AI Hello? AIHello.com, actually. We are also the top-rated Amazon app on the app stores. If you go to Amazon app store in the advertising, we are in the, really on the top. Excellent. And we're going to have a deal for, for listeners as well. So if you go to amazingfba.com forward slash AIHello, as A-I-H-E-L-L-O, as it sounds, then we're going to be able to give you um, some deals. So what sort of deal have you got for the listeners? 
Well, I can give a 50% discount off, you know, to Amazon FBS sellers. The reason is we, we want high, you know, knowledgeable customers. And most of the people that come through agencies or through, you know, people like you or through podcast really know what they're looking for. So it, it, it uh, really cuts a lot of our customer support time, makes it easy, you know, less aggravating. So I'm happy to give a 50% discount. Once you register, just send me a message that you came through Amazon FBA and I'll uh, push in the discounts. Amazing. So amazingfba.com forward slash AI hello to get that 50% discount for um, Amazing FBA and, and 10K Collective listeners. So that's great. I was just about to say, just remains for me to wrap up, but actually, why don't I just give you a chance to give us one more burst of wisdom? What should I have asked you? What questions should I have asked you? I think one question that you should have asked is, should I sell on Amazon? <laughs> you know, like it's a very <laughs> basic essential question. And the answer to it is, Yes, but also focus on your brand. So focus on your website, grow your brand, and try to escape the walled garden of Amazon. Try to you know have your sales. Try to have a plan B, because if, if we've never been banned and we've never been you know suspended, and I don't know too many people who have been suspended, but the threat of you know your livelihood depending on one of these big tech is always a big threat. So have a plan B. Have your own website. Have your own sales. Have your own customer. Own your customer. Excellent. Well, I'm going to say that's uh, good wisdom for sure. And uh, quite refreshing to get it from somebody who makes their living selling software that works on Amazon. So that's quite an entertaining end to the podcast. So it's a real pleasure to talk to you. Thanks yeah. for coming to us fresh from lockdown Toronto. So from lockdown London, it's thank you very much from me. Thank you, Michael. Nice talking to you. Cheers, then. If you make between eight and 30,000 euros or dollars a month on Amazon, so about six to 22,000 pounds, this is worth a minute of your time. I've noticed a consistent problem for e-commerce sellers around this level of sales. They've got one, two or even several products making decent sales. They've got market research and they have their sourcing in place. In short, they've done the basics of launching products and of their business. But too many are driving blind. Usually they don't know their numbers, whether they're financial or marketing. Often they are lurching from uncontrolled spikes in sales to going out of stock and nearly always they lack a clear roadmap for the next phase of growth. Their business is in short, unstable, probably not very profitable, and certainly unsellable. Step forward, the 10K tune-up. The 10K tune-up is a process to hone sellers' businesses at this critical point in their growth. It will make your business more stable and more profitable. You will work together with me one-to-one -to, -one to help organize your finances and marketing data. We will get to you the best use of your accountant to keep on top of your numbers and of your freight forwarder to stay in stock and keep making money. Once that's stable, we will work together on a product roadmap to get to seven figures a year in profitable sales over the next one to three years. In short, we will help you turn your business into an asset that makes you money now and, which you can if you want, sell in future for a healthy six or even seven figure sum. To find out more about how that works, just go to www.amazingfba.com forward slash tuneup. That's amazingfba.com forward slash T-U-N-E-U-P. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast, part of the family of Amazing FBA podcasts. 
Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.